Presented by Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids. Hey, good morning, playbookers. I'm Rogan Winovalin. It's Friday. Today's show, DOJ offers Judge Cannon a new deal. We have the details. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. As expected, the Department of Justice said on Thursday that it'll move forward with an appeal of Judge Eileen Cannon's recent decision halting DOJ's criminal investigation and appointing a special master. But in the meantime, the government tried a new approach to convince Cannon to rethink her recent decision, at least when it comes to the key documents seized from Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. Here's a hypothetical scenario. Imagine that someone had allegedly stolen a sack of diamonds from a jewelry shop and then stored the gems in junk drawers around their house. The cops raid the place, take away everything in the drawers where they find stolen diamonds, and spend two weeks separating them from the junk. Then a judge comes along and says that the big issue in the case isn't the stolen diamonds, but that the cops still have some of the alleged thief's personal belongings. She halts the heist investigation until an outside expert can sort the gems from the junk. The government thinks the judge's decision is absurd. No other suspect has received this special treatment, but they offered the judge a compromise. Let us keep all of the diamonds and we'll return all of the alleged thief's junk even a few cheap watches that they think he might have swiped from the store. In a 21-page filing yesterday, that is essentially the deal the DOJ offered Cannon. The government would get to hold onto and continue to use the 100 classified documents found in Mar-a-Lago, material that justice lawyers noted indisputably belonged to the government, not plaintiff, and they'll give Donald Trump copies of all unclassified documents recovered during the search, both personal records and government records, and return Trump's personal items that were not commingled with classified records. The offer to Cannon presents her with a difficult choice. Her opinion was criticized for failing to fully grapple with the government's argument that Trump doesn't own the classified documents he stored in Mar-a-Lago. She lumped all of the seized property together as potentially Trump's and gave enormous weight to the argument that any of the documents seized could potentially be subject to privilege claims. She was essentially saying that DOJ couldn't be trusted and that the special master should sort things out. From what Team Playbook has seen so far, our bet is that Cannon doesn't accept this deal outright. Doing so would require her to reverse arguments that she's already made about potential privilege claims and her widely criticized position that Trump could suffer irreparable harm from the investigation itself. What might be more difficult for her to ignore is the government's new argument that her order has halted the intelligence community's review and thus has serious national security implications. Either way, this is an aggressive move by justice. They're going forward with an appeal despite the risk of cementing an awful precedent or getting an even worse ruling from an appeals court dominated by Trump appointees. They are daring Cannon to double down on arguments that legal analysts on the right and left have scoffed at. On Thursday evening, Cannon asked Trump's lawyers to respond to the new DOJ filing by Monday. The Supreme Court of Michigan announced yesterday that an amendment that would place the right to abortion would make it state ballot. Politico's healthcare reporter Alice Miranda Olstein is here to talk all about it. Alice, how's it going? How are you? Doing okay. The news never stops. The news never stops. Well said. Um, So yesterday, Michigan announced it will have an abortions right amendment on its November ballot. Uh, What exactly does it entail? How did we get here? So this has been quite the saga. I was in Michigan months ago as um, thousands of volunteers were hitting the streets all over the state gathering signatures to put this abortion rights um, 
proposed constitutional amendment on the ballot in November so that voters could vote for it. And really, the stakes are really high here because the state has this 1931 near total abortion ban that has no exemptions for rape or incest that is still on the books. It's just been blocked by Roe versus Wade for the last Mm -hmm. 50 years. But um, that is currently on hold just because of uh, a lower court ruling. But the changing the state constitution to say explicitly that it protects abortion rights via this ballot initiative is seen as sort of the only surefire way of making sure abortion remains legal in the state. And so there was this whole back and forth over whether this would get approved. Um, they mm. got way more than the required number of signatures, the, the canvassers on the abortion rights side. And then there was a challenge from the anti-abortion side who said that spacing and formatting errors in the text of the petition that was presented to voters for their signatures, uh, they said that, you know, because there were some spaces missing between words, the entire thing should be thrown out. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And this went before um, sort of a um, panel of bureaucrats called the State Board of Canvassers, and they deadlocked two to two on whether this should get approved. Um, The Republicans voted that the spacing errors means it should be thrown out. The Democrats said that's not our job. They got the number of signatures. Uh, this should be approved. So because it was deadlocked, it was going to be blocked from the ballot. Hmm. And so they had to take it to the state Supreme Court. And that's who just ruled that it should go on the ballot. Um, So there was something that we mentioned on Playbook a little while ago, how abortion had kind of become the midterm wildcard when it comes to election headwinds. Uh, I assume it's similar in Michigan, right, where this is going to be an issue that really drives out Democratic voters to vote. That's the expectation. And uh, it's expected that it will really make a difference in some of the races that are also going to be on the ballot, particularly the governor's race Mm -hmm. in Michigan. Uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer is running for re-election. This is expected to help her. She's really made abortion rights a big part of her campaign. And you can say the exact same thing for the attorney general, Dana Nussel, Mm -hmm. who is running for re-election. So, you know, Michigan is a very... Uh, narrowly divided swing state, and uh, both of those candidates would have been in more trouble, is the thinking, without this um, energy around abortion rights really driving voters. I know that Michigan isn't the only state that kind of has a version of abortion on the ballot. What are some other states that where you've seen it that you're tracking? Yeah, so we're going to see some sort of abortion-related ballot initiative before voters in California, Kentucky, Montana, Vermont, and now Michigan. Um, And each of those are sort of different. Um, You know, some of them, the abortion rights side is on offense, and some of it, they're on defense. It really just depends on the state. Um, Some are, you know, more broad, establishing abortion rights, Mm -hmm. uh, like this one in Michigan. Some are a lot more narrow um, and only apply to certain circumstances. And so it's it both these as well as all kinds of other, um, you know, legislative fights and court fights that are going on could really just change the map of where abortion is legal and not legal. Alice Miranda Olstein, Politico's healthcare reporter. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 9 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to Columbus, Ohio. There, he'll deliver remarks on the Chips and Science Act at a groundbreaking ceremony for an Intel facility. 
At 1.35, he'll leave Columbus to head to Wilmington, Delaware. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle aboard Air Force One on the way to Columbus. Here's what's on the Vice President's calendar. At 10.55, Vice President Kamala Harris will speak with astronauts who are on the International Space Station at the NASA Johnson Space Center. At 2.20, Harris will chair her second National Space Council meeting, and at 4.40, Harris will depart Houston, Texas to return to D.C. Also worth noting, in her first major network sit-down interview since July 10th, Harris will be on NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday. The interview will be pre-taped at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas. We're told topics will include Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the midterm elections, abortion rights, and the state of democracy. The Senate and the House are out today. All right. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Playbook's editor is Mike DeBonis. Playbook's deputy editor is Zach Stanton. The executive producer and head of audio here at Politico is Jenny Ament. I'm Raghu Munavalan. Have a good weekend. We'll see you first thing Monday morning. When you're in school, you can't ignore deadlines. Actually, adults can't either. But that's what the FDA is doing with flavored e-cigarettes, and it's putting kids at risk. They've ignored deadline after deadline to protect kids from nicotine-loaded flavored e-cigarettes, defying Congress and courts. Letting tobacco companies hook more kids, threatening their brain development, attention, and learning. Kids can't ignore deadlines, neither should the FDA. Join the campaign for tobacco-free kids in calling on the FDA to eliminate flavored e-cigarettes now.